0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Bromley Town Church. We pray this message will refresh and encourage you. For further information about Bromley Town Church, you can go to our website, www.bromleytownchurch.com.
1: It's a real privilege for us to have uh, uh, Roz come and speak to us this morning. But actually, even as Colin prayed, I'd like to pray for you and Colin because it is a really special day. As Colin said, 40 years you know what, 40 years, oh, 40 is wedding anniversary, 40 years, Colin, congratulations, <laughs> Roz. congratulations, we want to bless you, it is an amazing feat, we just praise God, and all of your children are here, you know it's been, sometimes it's been great, and sometimes mum and dad have had words, but they've got through it, you know what, we, we forget to talk about the reality of marriage. You know how it's, oh, 40 years, everything's blissful. No. And therefore, we praise God that through the times that have been hard, he has persevered with them. Through the times that have been a great blessing, they have been able to praise him through those times. But through light and through dark, through difficult and through trials, he has brought them through. So I just want to pray again for Colin and Ross. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we bless you. We worship you. We praise you. You are the God who enables us to enter into covenant and to keep to that covenant. My Father, we worship you for all that you've done for Colin and Ross. We thank you for the blessing of their family. We thank you for the enjoyment that they have seen as they have grown up. Father, we praise you that you have blessed them and have been good to them. In the times, oh God, when it seems they wouldn't have other children, you, oh God, provide. Because you are the God who knows. And Father, you are the God who knows the plans that you have for us and you bring them into fulfilment. We declare today, once again, God, you are good and your ways are good. Father, will you continue to bless Colin and Ross? Will you continue to strengthen their relationship? Will you enable them to love each other more and more as the time goes on? And to appreciate each other. Father, will you bring a new depth and a new uh, resonance to their love for each other? That, Father, that the years that are yet to come will be so much better, even better, than the years that have passed. We proclaim our blessing over them and their marriage. And ask, oh God, that you would sovereignly lead them and guide them. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Amen. Amen. Well, congratulations to both of you. It's great. And now it's our privilege that Ross is going to come and share with us. So, Ross, do please come up and share with us. Thank you so much. God bless you. One moment. You'll see why in a moment. Oh, oh, I just, Excuse me. Just yeah, one. please. coil few adjustments. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh
0: dear. Right, I think. I think that's about right. Let's just pray, shall we, before I start. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Father. Praise my Son, the King of heaven. To his feet, thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like thee, his praise should sing. Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. Father God, we just come and we bless you and we praise you for who you are and for all that you've done in our lives. Father, as a church family, if we were to go around and each one of us was to share what you have done, Lord, we will be here probably forever. Lord, we have so much to bless you and thank you for. And we give you praise this morning. And now, Lord, I just ask, Father, that you would just anoint my speaking. And I pray too, Lord, that you would anoint our listening. Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. Father, I thank you uh, that you are here by your spirit. So, Lord, we just give you this time now. And just ask, Lord, that you'll be honoured and glorified in everything. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen, Amen. amen. A sip of water before I start. (laughs) I think it would be helpful if I just shared the background as to why I'm standing here this morning. It all started really as, um, as a picture back at the beginning of the year and uh, God quite often speaks to me in pictures and it's a picture that really blessed me and it's a picture that didn't go away and in fact this picture sort of grew you know how some pictures do and it it became very meaningful and uh, I shared it with a few people. And that seemed to resonate with them too. You know, it wasn't sort of gobbledygook, it made sense. And uh, that was lovely. And then I just had this sort of sense that maybe God wanted me to share it in a wider context. And I thought, oh dear, (laughs) oh dear, oh dear, I'm going to have to share this possibly. But I actually put out a fleece. I don't often put out fleeces, but I did on this occasion. And I actually said to a Lord, if you want me to share it with Jonathan, in case I should be sharing this, I'm still hedging my bets, you hear this? (laughs) If you want me to share it with Jonathan so he can decide whether it ought to be brought, please give me the object that I saw in my picture, okay? And the only person that I actually mentioned it to was Colin, my husband. Didn't say anything to anybody else. And perhaps I ought to say that Colin actually is a volunteer in one of the local um, cancer research shops. So I knew it was just a slight possibility he might actually see this object. Well, the weeks went by. And the months went by and I thought, hallelujah, <laughs> I'm off the hook. <laughs> and then, a few months ago, lo and behold, he came home one day and he said, um, you know you said about this, this object that you wanted for something? Um, well, I've got two. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and I thought, oh. So then I went to Jonathan and I shared it with him. Now, what I said before I started was feel perfectly free to say no. <laughs> you know, I'm very happy. I would not be offended. It's true, isn't it, Jonathan? I would not be offended if you say to me, Well, bless you, Rice. That's a lovely picture. But just keep it to yourself, will really. you? <laughs> and I also said, I'm, I'm still working hard at this. I also said to him that day, take time to think about it. I don't need an immediate answer, you know. Come back to me sort of six months, you know, six years hence. I'll be fine. But, you know, he didn't wait. Immediately that evening when I shared it with him, He said, yes, I think you should share this with the church. Go away and prepare. And that, in fact, is what I have been doing. So you see, there's only one problem, I think, with having a godly pastor. He has this awful tendency to see things God's way. (laughs) So be warned. Be warned, be warned. So, what is this thing? Because I haven't told you, have I? I'm keeping it all to (laughs) myself. It's in here. Here's my object. So, you ready for this? Now, before I I unveil this, (laughs) I need to ask a big favour of you. You are not to laugh. And, Jonathan, you are to lead by example. Not a hope. Hold on, are ready? Okay, here it comes. Here it is. <laughs> actually, you can laugh, I don't mind. <laughs> here it is. And uh, for the benefit of people who are listening to this recording, what I'm actually holding up is a toy. And it's in the shape of a rabbit. We'll come back to that. And it's what I call uh, a wibbly-wobbly toy. That's what I call it. I don't know if anybody else got another name. You can enlighten me later. But I call it wibbly-wobbly. And now you'll see why I've got these tables here, because you need to see what wibbly-wobbly does. Look. Isn't <laughs> it <So> wonderful? <laughs> right. Just in case you missed it over here. Here we go. It's very important. Look at that. Isn't that amazing? How far he can roll over. And for the benefit of you lovely people here, because I don't want you to feel that you're missing out. But look at that. Isn't that fantastic? Wonderful. Still going on. (laughs) So... What am I talking about today? I'm talking about a wibbly-wobbly toy. Well, actually, I am and I'm not. Because what that picture spoke to me about is keeping your spiritual balance. Keeping your spiritual balance. I must admit, when I asked for the object, I was hoping for something a little more chic, a little bit more sophisticated. (laughs) In fact, I would've been quite happy had I had something quite masculine and quite butch because then I know you guys could really relate. I know a rabbit is difficult, but please stay with me. It does get better, at least I hope it does. Um, I did think about even putting masks on it, but then I thought, oh, you know, come on. God's given me a rabbit, so i stick with a rabbit. But actually, the important thing about that toy is it doesn't matter what it looks like, you know? doesn't matter at all. It could be male, it could be female, it could be young, it could be old, it could be black, white, any colour in between. Any of our faces could actually be on that toy. So it's not appearances that matter at all. But as you obviously know, this is not rocket science this morning, is it? What is important about this toy is obviously its design, yeah, it's how it's made. It's designed, as I've already shown you, to take hard knocks, isn't it, you know? Any child can knock that over and up it comes again, every time, again and again, it's designed to write itself. And, you know, I believe that that is how God has designed us to be as Christians. He wants us to be those who can take hard knocks, but always come back to stand strong in Him. You know, uh, some months ago, we had a wonderful evening in Inspire, and Helen treated us to watching a DVD by Louis Giglio. And when he spoke, um, he took those words of Jesus um, In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, said Jesus. But fear not, for I have overcome the word. And he made a big thing about this. The fact that trouble is coming, and it can take many different forms, can't it? You know, sometimes it's just little knocks, you know, almost like inconveniences. But it's still a knock. But then sometimes, you know, the bigger knocks come. It can be sickness. It can be financial problems. It can be redundancy. It can be bereavement. It can be so many things. A few months ago, now, we had the riots. That was another knock, a big knock for many people. It can be persecution because of our faith. Which set me thinking, you know, what does uh, a victorious Christian life look like? And, you know, I have to confess that... As a teenager growing up in a Bible believing church, I think I honestly believed that a victorious Christian life was a life without problems. Mm-hmm. A life without problems. That was a victorious Christian life. And we were very keen to lead victorious Christian lives. We were a very keen bunch. But that's what I thought. But you know, um, my family, one of their favourite groups, in fact we've got uh, one of Delirious' biggest fans here this morning, haven't we, Rachel? Um, They actually have a a line in one of their songs, and it says this, um, we didn't count on suffering. We didn't count on pain. So wherever did I that idea that the victorious Christian life is going to be a bed of roses. That is not biblical. And let me triple underline it. It is not biblical. you want a great example of victorious Christian living, um, I love the story, and I know I'm not alone in this, of Paul and Silas at Philippi. You know? Uh, they've been thrown into jail, haven't they? And because we know the end of the story, we know that that earthquake is coming, and you know they've got their get out of jail free card. Um, we often miss the point, because actually Paul and Silas didn't know how long they'd be in prison. They didn't know about the earthquake. All they knew was actually that they'd been flogged, their backs were raw, the pain from their wounds must have been excruciating, and it was impossible for them to find any relief, because they'd actually also put their feet in the stocks, which was intended to make things as uncomfortable as possible. And of course, they were in the innermost prison with little, if any, light. But what are they doing in that situation? And you all know, they're having an extended praise time, just like we're going to have tonight, you know? That's what they were doing. You know, no wonder their fellow prisoners were listening. This is what a victorious Christian life looks like. It's a life of praise and thanksgiving, no matter the circumstances. We sing that lovely worship song, don't we? He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away. But my heart will choose to say, blessed be his name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be his glorious name. But let's backtrack for a moment. Do you think that Paul and Silas sort of wafted through this experience, you know? Were they miraculously spared the pain of that flogging? Did God provide supernatural support cushions for their backs? And having been suffering from my back recently, I know just how good a cushion is. I don't think so. I don't think so. In other words, trouble hit them big time. Their problems were only too real, their pain was only too real, and the outcome at this point was totally uncertain. So please don't tell me but they weren't initially thrown off balance. But the vital thing is, they may have been thrown, but they very quickly popped up again. Hence, the extended time of praise. And just in case you think that's a one-off for Paul, you know, just having a bad hair day, let me quote to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 11 at verse 23. And it says this, Paul says this, describing his suffering. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again five times i received from the jews the 40 lashes minus one three times i was beaten with rods once i was stoned Where have i got to three times i was shipwrecked I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked wasn't just a one-off, was it? It happened again and again and again. And I think the important thing to recognize is this ability that Paul had. He had learned to take the knocks and to come up again, and to come up quickly, too. I think that was the secret. You know, if you're in the sea on a rough day, you can't help being knocked off your feet momentarily. No? I used to love it as a teenager or a youngster. I loved it actually rough. I didn't like it calm. I liked it because I love those big waves, you know. And it would come and I'd go, oh, yes. And another one coming, yeah. But you know, suddenly there'll be the big one that comes and you can't quite jump and it knocks you and you're flailing. But because you've learned to swim, you don't drown, do you? What do you do? You bob up again. And I believe that it's it's supposed to be like that for us spiritually. God has designed us to be, can I use the expression? Come back kids, you know? Down, but not out, okay? You know, in some ways, I am the least qualified person to be bringing this message this morning. This is not an area of staying spiritually stable that I have excelled in. But fact, I think it's probably more to, true to say that this is an area which I have spectacularly failed in. But on the other hand... God has changed me. And so this morning, in some ways, I'm the best person or one of the best people because I know that other people can testify to this too. I'm perhaps one of the best people who can share this with you. And I'm so glad that I've got my family, a bit emotional, here this morning because they have actually, unfortunately, seen me... At my darkest moments, Um, there was a stage in my life when stress was a huge issue. And for me, extreme stress spirals down into deep depression, sufficiently so to need to be hospitalized. So we're not talking a mini thing here. This was major, major trauma. So they can actually testify this morning to how bad I was. But bless God that they are here because they can also testify that they know I'm not the person that I was then. Bless God. Amen. If you've got any doubts, go and talk to them later and they'll share with you. Let me say this. Beware of the lies of the enemy. You know? Beware of the lies of the enemy can come to us in all different sorts of guises, but one of the things that he loves to do is to say to us, you're down, and it's all your fault. Right? You're down, and it's all your fault. Lie. It's a lie, and we need to call it what it is. You couldn't help that big wave hitting you. You couldn't help it. Remember what Jesus said. You're going to argue with Jesus in this world. You will have trouble. In other words, a wave could come at any time. You can't help being initially knocked. Okay. Another lie. You're down. True. Which just proves what a useless Christian you are. In fact says the enemy, are you sure you're really a Christian at all? Uh-huh. Subtle, isn't it? Insidious. But lie, another big lie. Our salvation doesn't depend on our performance, praise God. You know, if we have really repented of our sin, if we've accepted Jesus as our saviour, if we are seeking to live for him as our Lord, You're a Christian, you know? You're a Christian. You are the real thing. But what this experience may be proving to you is you've still got some growing to do. You've still got some growing to do, as we all have. None of us have got this all together. And even though I'm sharing this this morning, I'm not claiming I've got this all together, all the time. Interestingly, even preparing for this, I suddenly felt the enemy whisper to me, what if, Mm -hmm. what if you fall flat on your face a week later? And that really did initially, that was quite a big knock. But you know, if I do get knocked, what I'm going to be doing is no different from what I have been doing for the last few years. It's back to God again back to God and the things that I'm going to be sharing with you a little bit later on. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. And the worst one of all, and I've heard this one, you're down and you're going to stay down. You're down and out and there's no way back. It's a lie. It's a lie. Yes, you've been knocked. Yes, you're down but you don't, praise God, have to stay down. So what's the secret? How do we keep our spiritual balance? Well, of course, for our toy, the secret is actually in the base. The secret is in the base. This is where the balance, this is where the weight comes. That's what makes him what he is. But you know... The toy has actually got one advantage over us, believe it or not. You wouldn't think, would you, that a a rabbit wibbly-wobbly had any advantage over a human at all. But I I hate to tell you, but it has, because, you know, its base is sealed. And so long as that base stays intact, it's always going to do this wibbly-wobbly thing. But unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, God has not... Designed us that way. You know, it's like being filled with the Spirit, isn't it? We're told, be filled with the Spirit, it says in Ephesians, doesn't it? And we all know that that doesn't mean be filled once, and then hallelujah, got my top up, full of the Spirit. I never need to be filled again. It's not true, is it? We know that that's got to be a continuous experience for us. Now, I wonder why. Why did God make us like that? Well, I suspect that God doesn't want to just mm-hmm. zap us once and then allow us just to go on our own merry way. He's designed us so that we keep coming back to him again and again and again. He's designed us, hasn't he, for relationship. He wants to give us daily manna, you know, not a lifetime supply in one go. Um, so what's our task? What's our responsibility in all of this? Well, our responsibility is actually, I think, to keep topping up our spiritual base. That's what we need to be doing. You know, I've had, I've had two dishwashers in my time. I don't know if I'm doing well or badly. It's <laughs> I still remember the first—the first one we bought—and the, uh, the salesman sort of said, um, "Would you like us to take your other one away, madam?" And I said, "This is my first." <laughs> and he said, "I quite understand." You know. <laughs> um, but the thing I love about my dishwasher mark II is the fact it has actually got a refill. Sort indicator on it my first one didn't shows you how old it was doesn't it but it's so useful do you find that you know because it tells you when you actually need to to top it up and uh, it's probably possible of course to sort of ignore that little light for a while you probably found that out you know it's oh it's a bit of a fag isn't it you know to put all that salt in But it is perfectly possible to ignore it for a bit. But you know, sooner or later, as you take out your plates, and particularly as you take out your glasses and your cutlery, you'll know they've lost their shine, haven't they? They are not the shiny things that they're supposed to be. And you know, it's the same with us. We can get away for a while, we can skip a few quiet times, we can get away with not reading our Bible, relying on a few arrow prayers. Not there's anything wrong with arrow prayers, I would hasten to say. But I don't think that's how we're supposed to live. But sooner or later, particularly if a big wave hits us, we will not have the spiritual ballast remaining for us to right ourselves. We have to keep. Topping up our spiritual base. And also, you know, we're designed to have a shiny quality about our life. I talked about shiny glasses and shiny cutlery. You know, Philippians 2.15 says this, we are called to shine like stars in this universe as you hold out the word of life. We're meant to be shiny people. I remember the stage, Helen, when we always talked about being shiny women. (laughs) Well, you can be shiny men too. But the whole point is that there should be something about our lives. There should be that quality about our lives that makes us attractive to others. Okay, so what do we need to put into our spiritual base? Well, no surprises here. And as I was preparing, I really felt that God said, be really practical. And that's what I'm going to be, okay? And probably things that you know already, but it doesn't hurt, does it, to hear them again? So, no surprises. The important thing is, first of all, it's the Word. We have to get God's Word into the very core Oh, thank you. (laughs) Into the very core of our beings. Is that better? Am I still recording? I think so. So, we have to read. We have to read the Word of God, it is absolutely essential. So, let me challenge you how much of the Bible have you actually read? We have a couple of uh, reading groups set at work. As many of you know, I work in one of the local libraries. And I actually administrate. I don't actually run it, because they do it all themselves. But I actually run or look after the morning reading group. And they are a very erudite lot. They are very well read, my group. They're mainly elderly ladies, but... You know, they're all very literary. They've read all the right sort of things. And I remember um, some time ago that they had this particular book that they had all read. And it had a, a lot of literary allusions, lots of references to other literature. And it had a lot of biblical allusions, lots of sort of references to stories and so on in the Bible. And it was the references to the Bible that really threw them. And uh, I could hear them discussing. And um, I could hear them saying to each other, well, of course, nobody's read the whole Bible, have they? And I felt like dashing over and saying, hang on, you know, come on Sunday and I'll (laughs) introduce you to a whole church of people who actually are reading their Bibles from cover to cover, and not just one. But going back to do it again and again. You know? It's a wonderful verse in John 14. It says this: The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything that I have said. That's great. Did you notice that little word that I sort of underlined, remind? If God is going to remind us, we have to know it in the first place. You can't be reminded of something you don't know, you've never heard. And the exciting thing about the Bible is it's a living word. Hebrews 4.12, it talks about it being living, active, sharper, than any double-edged sort, That means that God can speak to us powerfully through it. Um, I quite often do the, the Bible talk when it comes to the Alpha course, and I have been known to actually go in with a hard hat on. Um, why? Why a hard hat? Well, the answer is because this book, I always say, is potentially dynamite, you know? It can blow you out of the water. It can change your life. It's a powerful, powerful book. You ever had that experience of reading a passage from the Bible and then suddenly it's like, pow, you know? Hits you, doesn't it? And you think, wow. And sometimes it can even be a passage that you know well, but it's like suddenly, you know, God lights it up just awesome and wonderful and I do want to make a plea here please read the Old Testament as well as the New Testament I'm a great OT fan as many of you know here I love it I was brought up on it I love it but you know why do I love it well I love some of the stories there but also if you're going to understand the New Testament You have to know the Old Testament, really. Hebrews is one of my favorite books. I love the book of Hebrews. What's Hebrews about? It's about sacrifice. If you don't know the Old Testament background about the need to come and bring a perfect you're not going to understand just how amazing it is that Jesus is described as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Just nothing, you know, it wasn't a case of anything we'll do. It had to be perfect. No spot, no blemish. Perfect. So when Jesus comes, all those sacrifices from the Old Testament days, What were they doing? They were all pointing forwards to the time when Jesus came. In of themselves, those blood sacrifices were not enough to take away sins. They were symbolic. They were representative. God forgave on the basis that he knew his son was coming to die. Yeah. And I can always remember somebody who used to come to our church many years ago talking about this with a non-Christian of all people, And explaining this need for blood, you know, without the forgiveness of sin, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And he was saying, do you realize if Jesus hadn't come and we still wanted forgiveness for our sins, we would still be sacrificing? And when you think of a state of our society, our streets would be awash with blood. It's an incredible, incredible thought. And another thing, please don't do pick and mix. You know, I like this bit. And oh, that's a nice bit. Favorite, you know? Don't do pick and mix with the Bible. We all have our favourite bits. I mean, I've just I've just said, haven't I? I love Hebrews. But we can't just have pick and mix, okay? We need the whole thing. We need the whole council. Of God. I don't know if all of you know, but I'm actually a born-again Tesco shopper. Did you know that? Born-again Tesco shopper. I used to be a very loyal Sainsbury's shopper. Yeah, I still go. But a few years ago now, I was enticed away. I was seduced. I don't know I don't know if it was their advertising or not, but you all know Tesco, well I hope you know, if you don't I'm going to enlighten you, Tesco's catchphrase, what is it? Every little helps. And it's true, I proved it with my shopping bills, every little does help. And it's true too where reading the Bible is concerned, every little does help. Anything is better than nothing. But actually, the truth is, we actually need a good, balanced diet. And we need plenty of it. I'd just like to talk to you, refer you to a classic 1970s. Before some of your time, I know, but I suspect you probably have seen it, even if you weren't around at the time. It's called The Good Life. Remember it? Good old Tom and Barbara Good. And they're sometimes long-suffering neighbours, actually, Jerry and Margot. And Tom, on his 40th birthday, decides, I have had enough of the rat race. I am out of this, we are going to become self-sufficient. And uh, Jerry and Margot, on the other hand, totally into all things to be acquired and go up the social ladder. So they're wonderful contrast. It was an amazing series, wasn't it? Yeah, some of you have seen it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're with me. Okay, it's a wonderful thing. But one particular episode that I will never forget is harvest time. They've been through all the ups and downs of growing their crops. Oh, I didn't tell you. They transformed their back garden into um, really a small holding. They grew vegetables. They had fruit. They kept animals, sheep, pigs, goats. Um, and they, they also actually did their front garden at one stage too, but it's, you know, it was just amazing. So the idea was total self sufficiency from what they grew. And now it's harvest time, and it's looking good. In three ups and downs, it's looking good. And then the storm strikes, and overnight their beautiful harvest has been mm. devastated absolutely devastated. It looks like a battle zone. Everything broken down, in the mud, and so on. And uh, Tom and Barbara sort of rather hoped that maybe friends will help pop down the pub. And suddenly friends are rather busy and not available. But dear old Jerry and Margot, being the good friends that they are, they offer to have. And do you remember Margot? She always wore designer. And so she suddenly appears in the back garden amid the devastation, and she has her designer raincoat on, designer hat, designer well and she's come to help. And uh, she starts to pick runner beans. bean, over to her basket, which is not conveniently placed nearby, bean. And Rattling down a bit. Okay, Okay. so one beam. Sorry, on the job. Another beam. And this goes on for some time. And there's a beatific smile on her face. She thinks she's doing so well. You know, look what I've done. And you see uh, Tom standing there, watching. And finally, he explodes, he can't stand anymore. And he sort of makes some comments like, well, I suppose that's all you could expect of a feeble woman. Which, of course, is enough to galvanise Margot into action and suddenly, forget the beans, there is the sack of potatoes and she's picked it up it over her shoulder, whizz round, and in the process, knocks Tom over, and he's face down in the mud. Serves him right, doesn't it? <laughs> but, you know, but what I'm trying to make, the point I'm trying to make is, Margot was so thrilled by her little beam and her second beam. It was so tiny. But Tom saw what needed doing. He saw the huge need. And you know, I sometimes wonder, you know, maybe we get so excited, don't we, when we see a little spark, a little indication of spiritual life. We get so thrilled. And rightly so. Because again, you know, every little helps. But maybe... Maybe, can I say this reverently, maybe God looks out. We're getting so excited about this little flame. And God looks and he says, well, your flame is great. But what I actually need is a blaze. Yeah, I need a blaze. Because I see the harvest field. I see the extent of the need. The wonderful thing is that God never extinguishes little flames. What in, he does instead is, he said, That's great. That's great. Yeah, blows on it. Thank you, Doreen. <laughs> I've got my prompter here. <laughs> he blows on it. He says, Come on, let's fan it into flame. Let's fan it into flame because I want that big blaze. I want that big blaze. One of the other things that I often hear people say to me is, you know, Ros, I do try and read, but I just don't remember everything that I've read. Let me give you a food analogy. How many meals that you've ever had do you remember? You know, how many can you actually describe for me? I actually did a calculation. It's so brilliant. 40 years multiplied by 365 days, i.e. dinners, equals, come on, Stuart, have you got it in your head? 14,600 meals. Mm. Now, I'm not claiming that I've cooked 14,600 main meals. Please don't get me wrong here. Colin has certainly rustled up some in his time. We have had meals out with friends, which have been wonderful. We have had some takeaways. We've been out in a few restaurants. But that's still an awful lot of meals, isn't it? If I was to ask my family today, come on, 14,600 guys. (laughs) Well, some of you not quite so long, because you haven't been around for the whole of the 40 years. But it's, you know, but it's still an awful lot of meals isn't it but that's not the point every time that i placed a plate of food in front of them what was i doing i was fueling them we were fueling as we ate that food we were fueling our bodies didn't stop to say oh this is a nice bit of protein i wonder what that would do oh some lovely vitamins in here no we just fuel our bodies and we leave our bodies to sort out where the goodness goes. Okay? True? And it's the same as we read the Word. What are we doing? We are fueling our spirits and we need to keep doing it. So don't worry. Don't worry too much if you don't remember everything that you have read or you don't feel you're remembering a lot. Keep reading. Keep putting the goodness in You have that us and them mentality. I think a lot of us Steve, It's okay for Jonathan and Clive. and Maybe it's okay for your community group leaders. They know their Bibles really well. So they don't have to read them anymore. Because they know them already. Not true. And they'll be the first to say it. You know, we all have to keep shoveling truth into us if we're going to keep this base topped up. And this isn't like a seven-day quick-fix plan. This is a lifestyle choice. And I believe that we're going to have to do this, brothers and sisters, to our dying day, or until Jesus comes to take us home. Okay? And yes, of course, don't just read it, please. Believe it, you know. That's that's the clue, isn't it? That's the key to everything. We have to let it transform our thinking, to let it transform the way that we live. Okay, read the word. Another important component, prayer. Did you notice? I'm sure you did. It makes a noise. You know, we were designed to make a noise. We were designed to pray. And that's another essential component that we need to be putting in. I'm sure you've all seen one of those church billboards. Seven days without prayer makes one week. And the week is about W E A K. It makes us weak if we don't pray. Let's get practical. Recently, we were talking to the youth about this, and we were talking about our prayer and our praise orders. And about, you know, what can we bring? Because when we come to worship, whether it's collectively or individually, we need to have a contribution to bring. And it's great to bring a contribution. It's like when you go for a meal with friends, you know, with friends. You know, sometimes you have those meals where you sort of, well, I'll bring the main bit and I'll bring the dessert. And, I'll bring. and it's great fun, isn't it? We loved it. We loved it in church, don't we, had. Great stuff. But, you, you know, the question is, what am I going to bring? Okay, here goes. Oh, God is the great I am. I can lay that on the altar and I can start praying about it. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. He's the Lord of hosts. Fantastic. Wow. He's the prince of peace. Bless God. Oh blank. You see, this is where prayer and reading the word and praise, all these things are interlinked, aren't they? If I don't know much about God, it may be that actually very quickly I run out of things to pray, to praise, and I'm left with a blank. And I don't want that. So we have to keep putting his truth in. Okay. Okay. We need to know who he is. And we're called to declare truths. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people belonging to God. Why? Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called to declare who he is. Do you find it difficult to pray out loud? Well, I strongly suggest you practice on your own. You need to get used to the sound of your own voice. I know that sounds basic, but it's true. Do you find your mind has a tendency to wander when you pray? Yeah? Pray out loud. It does help. It does help. You know, we have to do these really practical things. Do you sense the need for breakthrough in prayer? Pray out loud. You won't get breakthrough without it. I want to plug the prayer meeting. I can do that. Jonathan, you know, he's got a vested interest, but I haven't, you know, and I don't get commission. Okay, you want to have a great weekend, folks. Start at the prayer meeting. Why? Because it sets the tone of your whole weekend, you know? It puts God first and that's where he needs to be. You're too tired to come? I know the feeling. I work full time. But what does the word say? It says, they that wait upon the Lord shall Renew their strength. Well, hang on. Either that's true or it's not. So if I am tired, that's a fact. But actually, the word says I can renew my strength by coming into God's presence. So come on, folks. Let's get there. A final thought on prayer. The enemy wants us, as I've said all along, down and out. But you know, what I've been learning is that if we choose to bow down in his presence, we choose to kneel. Maybe sometimes it would even, you will find it's appropriate to actually prostrate yourself, lie, lie on the floor before him. That actually can be at a place if it's simply an outward act, forget it. We're not into outward acts, are we? We don't want that. We want heart stuff. But if God is prompting you to respond in that way, I urge you to do so. Why are we so afraid of what other people think? You know, there's been a lot of programs on the TV recently featuring Islam. And they one of their tenants, the five, the five tenants, one of them is prayer. We will pray five times a day. And it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim where you are. Ideally, you're in a mosque. But if you're not and you happen to be on a road going along, you stop wherever you are. If you've got your prayer mat, you get it out. The good ones have compasses in. You find out where Mecca is. You lay it down, and then you get down on your knees wherever you are, and you prostrate yourself before they prostrate themselves before their God, and they're not ashamed to do it. So why, why are we so reluctant? If we really believe that we have the truth, why are we so reluctant to do it? Why am I so reluctant? We mustn't be afraid. We mustn't be afraid. We must give God the glory and the praise that he deserves. Amen, amen. Okay, prayer, praise, please let's praise. You know, you come to pray and you start to praise, you praise, you start to pray. They're all interchangeably linked. We are so blessed with so many worship tapes, worship songs. As we come together, we learn them. How many times do you find yourself just singing a worship song? Because it's there, isn't it? It's in our hearts. It's bubbling up. But it shouldn't just be a Sunday affair. Yes, I know it's easier when we're all together, but this is not meant to be a Sunday affair. This is for every day of the week. There is great power in praise. And the praise reports we were talking about earlier, do you know, sometimes I'm amazed we have so few praise reports, you know? So few. But if we were actually to talk on an individual basis Chances are you'd say, you know, well, God did something wonderful for me this week. But we actually feel like it's it's just too small, too insignificant. Nothing God does is insignificant. And if it was big enough to pray about in the first place, why then are we so reluctant when he's actually answered that prayer to come and praise him? So come on folks, let's have some more praise reports because we have much, we have much to praise him for. And you know, even yesterday, I just had one more thought about this. Do you know, the surface on which this thing works makes all the difference. Because once it starts sort of getting bumpy, it's not not quite as good. And this is designed to be on a flat surface. And so if we're aware of things in our lives that need dealing with, if there is sin in our lives, if we have wrong attitudes, don't expect the spiritual balance to be right. It won't be because it's not designed to work on that. Okay? We need to get our surfaces clean as well. I said Colin had got two, didn't I? I knew you'd like him. Again, for the benefit of recording, it's a tiny little chick. Again, same thing though. Look, he's lovely. If anything, he does it, I think, a little bit bit better than the big one. But there he is. You know, this isn't just for grown-ups. I'm speaking to all of you as grown-ups today, but our children and young people, they need to be taught these truths too. You see, big waves don't just hit big people. They're no respecter of persons. The enemy is no respecter of persons. He does not play by the rules. Anyone can be hit. And you know, our children and young people, if anything, are more in the battle ground than we are, particularly those who've gone off to secondary school. It's a time when there can be a great assault on their faith. And the, and it's, then it's not even just coming from the peer group. It's actually coming from the teachers, the very people who we have taught them as youngsters to look up to and respect. And then suddenly, in one of those lessons, there's just that sin. You know, just, just that little remark, however it comes. Well, of course, you know, you don't believe God created the world in seven days, do you? you know? And surely the fact that somebody died on a cross 2,000 years ago, you don't seriously think that that could impact your life today. And you really believe that he rose from the dead and he's coming again? Bless you. I don't think so. You know, they are right in the firing line. You know, the Israelites were told to teach these commandments to their children. Impress them on your children, it says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk down the road, when you lie down and when you get up. We need to do the same. We must teach our children the truth of God's word, so they are strong to stand when they come under attack. Okay, last point. Have your ammo ready. Ammunition, for those who are uninitiated. Have your ammo ready. You know, no trained soldier would go into battle with a sort of... Where did I put my rifle? Where were the spare bullets? I'm sure I had a spare hand grenade somewhere. It's just unthinkable, isn't it? Unthinkable. But sometimes we sort of waft into the battle. We need to have our ammunition ready. And you need to carefully select yours. Because what works best for me might not work best for you. Okay? Because we all have different strengths and weaknesses. And we need to be aware of them, because I'll tell you this, the enemy knows. He knows your strengths, and he knows your weaknesses, and where does he go? Your Achilles heel every single time. So as we close, let me just share with you a couple of, of mine. I actually, I actually have um, a notebook at home. I have one of those black and red notebooks with A to Z, and I actually keep, I actually put in there verses which are really important verses for me, or ones which really speak to me. I don't care how you do it. You can have a notebook, you can have a scrappy bit of paper, you can stick things in your Bible. I don't care. But all I would say to you is, have it ready. You need to know where it is. So just a couple. I, I could stand here all morning. Well, I, I have to the all morning, but <laughs> I could go on and on. But I'm going to limit myself to two. Isaiah 43, verse 1 1 to 3, you'll know it. Fear not, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. Good stuff, isn't it? And to finish with, this is a verse that I don't know how many times I used this when I was really going through those dark moments as I was coming back to health and stability. Because you know, sometimes, once isn't enough. When the enemy had a go at Jesus, Jesus only had to say it back to him once, and eventually the enemy went, turned and fled. I guess he knew who he was up against, but we're not Jesus, are we? And so sometimes it's not just enough to say that verse once, we have to, "Mm, mm, mm, Like that. We have to keep shooting it out until eventually um, the enemy knows that we actually do know truth. And this is my verse, which has been so precious to me Psalm 42, verse 5. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. I'm going to ask the, the worship band if they could come back. I've asked if we can sing, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. And as they do that, I just want to say this to you. And this is true for every Sunday morning, not just this morning. If God has spoken to you about something... In the course of that meeting, I urge you, pray about it before you leave this house. Because, you know, once we get through those outer doors, the world is back with a vengeance. And if you haven't made some sort of response, commitment to what has been shared, we very quickly get caught up, inevitably, in just normal everyday living. And I particularly urge you, if you know that this has been a time when you have had a really bad knock or you sense a wobbliness, I would urge you, just just find somebody, either come to the ministry team or just go to a trusted friend and say, I need you to stand with me in this at this time. We so need each other, don't we? And one final thing, if there is anybody here today who, as yet, isn't a Christian, not yet, could be by the end of the morning, isn't that exciting? But the whole point is, you know, we we have to start somewhere. And it was wonderful because a few months ago we had a baptismal service here and a lovely lady called Jan gave her testimony. And what she said was, when I became a Christian, it was as if God had put a rock inside of me. And you know, that's the first piece of the jigsaw. God puts a rock inside of us. He puts the first bit into that spiritual base. And actually, that's the most important component. He puts himself, because he comes to indwell us by his spirit. And that is awesome and wonderful. He is the one who gives stability. So he comes first, and then we shovel it in, and we shovel it in, and we shovel it in. So If you haven't done that first bit, that's where you need to start. And as you already know, we have an alpha course here. We can come and hear all about it. Find out what the Christian faith's about. But I urge you, keep your spiritual balance for his glory. Thank you for listening. If you
1: have any questions or you're after more information about Bromley Town Church, do visit our website www.bromleytownchurch.com.